In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we gather here tonight in your name, in your beautiful name, in your wonderful name, in your powerful name. And we make an act of faith that you are here with us in our midst in a special way. We thank you for being here. We thank you for wanting to be here. We believe that you want to be here. We believe that you want to bless us for taking the time to be here on retreat this weekend. Thank you for bringing us together here, Lord. Help us to have an expectant faith in the good things that you want to do for us. We pray in a special way that we would get to know you as you really are that we would get to know you better and more intimately so that we can all experience the bliss of being loved by you and following you more closely. We ask you to send your holy angels here to guard us and and to intercede for us. We invoke the prayers of our patron saints And in a particular way, we entrust this weekend to St. Joseph and to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And we crown Mary the queen of our weekend as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, God is very happy indeed that you are all here. He's been waiting for this opportunity to have a very personal encounter with all of you. And it's going to look and sound different, I'm sure, for each and every one of you. And that's okay. You know, what I share with you up here, I'm just sharing from my heart. I don't have any notes. I mean, I've got a few handouts that we'll look at. I've got the Bible. I brought a book up here. But I really just want to share with you my experience of the Lord and hopefully inspire you to find Him in that same way or in your own way, but in a personal way, in a powerful way. That will bring uh, greater joy to you, and not just this weekend, but hopefully for the rest of your life, that if you haven't already set out, if you haven't set sail, to reference our song, if you haven't already set sail with the Lord in such an intimate way that this weekend would really get you on that journey with him, And if you have already set sail with him in a more intimate way, that this would just encourage you to to keep going into deeper water, as Jesus invited Peter, to go out into the deep. And so I mentioned an expectant faith in that prayer. So we expect that God is going to act in a powerful way here because you've all made a, a great effort to be here. You're taking the time. You've paid the money. Uh, you're going to be focusing and, and you know, concentrating. and it, it really is a spiritual exercise of sorts. 
and it is going to be challenging. You can be sure there will be moments, maybe not tonight, but tomorrow for sure, that will be challenging. Uh, and so we just continue to put our trust in the Lord and, and really lean into him to, to help us push through some of those moments that are going to be more challenging. But you have to know that on the other side of that challenge, there's greater freedom, there's greater joy, there's greater peace, greater intimacy, greater power, greater fruit, greater, you know, so uh, there's always more, right? Some of us have been involved with encounter ministries these last few years, and if there's one thing I've learned from them, there's always more. God, I mean, he's infinite. He's eternal. So we can never exhaust our experience of God on this side of heaven and even in heaven itself. We will never be able to exhaust our experience of God and his goodness and beauty and truth and wonder and glory. So what I'd like to propose for tonight is that we reflect a little bit on the baptism of Jesus because that'll help us to get in touch with our identity as daughters in Christ. So we'll look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. We'll use that version. And then in your folders, we have this prayer booklet with my prayer dare in it. I've shared various versions of this with some of you over these last few months. I've actually been editing this prayer over and over again since last April, so going on a year. And it's just been my personal reflections, and it expresses different uh, desires, different intentions. So I think this will be a helpful uh, prayer to just get us started tonight. And and if it's going to help you for the whole weekend, great. Uh, because we're definitely looking not only to encounter Christ more personally, but to have that encounter lead to healing. Lead to healing. And we all have uh, a need for healing because we've all sinned and we've all suffered the consequences of other people's sins. And sin always leaves its mark. Uh, some obviously, you know, are... are deeper wounds than others, but we all need to be healed. We all need to be forgiven, and then we all need to be healed from our sin and the sin of the world. And so we'll be praying for that, perhaps in a way like you've never prayed before, but in a way, hopefully, that will, uh, again, help you to have this more personal encounter with the Lord. And I would just say, too, as I mentioned in my prayer, but I'll just throw it out there right at the beginning tonight, Let's ask, as I even prayed in the prayer, to get to know God as he really is. So let's pray, in other words, that our image of God would be perfected and restored. And that's really important because if we're made in God's image and likeness, the image that we now have of God right now absolutely affects the way that we see ourselves. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. But the way that you see God affects the way that you see yourself. And if the image that we have of God is distorted, you're going to have a distorted image of yourself. And it will 
prevent you from having a deeper healing. It'll prevent you from having a more intimate relationship with God. It'll prevent you from being more excited about your relationship with God. If you have this image of God as a harsh taskmaster or somebody who uh, waves his finger in your face and says, shame on you, or is impatient. I said this the other day. You know, if you've ever had a, a parent or a priest or a teacher or a coach show you impatience in the name of God, well, that wasn't God, you know, because God is not impatient at all. God is never impatient. So if you've had someone be impatient with you, well, that was not reflective of who God is in his essence, because as Paul says, love is patient. It's the first descriptive adjective that Paul uses in his definition of love. And God is love, so therefore we can say that God is patient. Therefore, if anyone has been impatient in their behavior towards you, that was not God. That's just one little example, right? But how many other examples could we think of? But when our parents, teachers, coaches, priests, you know, behave in a way that is less than patient, loving, kind, understanding, well, that's necessarily less than God. But we absorb that, and then we project that back onto God. Because we're human. I mean, and especially when we're kids, what else do we know, right? But then that can stay with us. That can stay with us if we don't ever have anybody challenge that. And so I want to challenge that this weekend because the Lord has challenged me in a personal way over these last several years in a particular way to allow him to restore the distorted image that I have had of God, even as a priest and religious. Of you know, I've been in religious life now almost 26 years. And it's only recently that my image of God has become more pure, I would say, purer. So, let's just look at Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 9. It's one you're all familiar with, but if it helps to look at it. And, you know, translations vary. We're not all using the same same translation. But in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. So I just love to point out here that Jesus in his humanity needed to receive the Spirit. Of course, in his divinity, he was one with the Father and the Holy Spirit from all eternity. But in his humanity, he was being anointed with the Spirit. And not only that, but he heard the voice of the Father. Everybody heard it who was around there. And the Father was affirming him. Before he went out to do any miracles, this is at the very beginning of his public life. From here he even goes into the desert to be, you know, to pray and fast and to be tempted. But before he performs any miracles, 
The Father is affirming him just for who he is. You are my beloved son. And these words, in a sense, were spoken over all of you when you were baptized. You are my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. And maybe you've never thought about that before. Maybe you've never dreamed that these words spoken by the Father to the Son at his baptism applied to you at all, or that God the Father would speak in such a way to you. But he does. He does. And so here we have a loving Father, and and it says in the Catechism, I forget the number, but God is Father like no other. (laughs) So You know, none of us had a perfect father. Maybe some of us had a great relationship with our fathers. Maybe some of us not so good. But God is father like nobody else is father. I mean, again, he's he's perfectly patient. His love is unconditional. And again, we just have to ask for these graces. Heavenly Father, help me to experience you as father like never before. Maybe you haven't prayed much to the Father in your your Christian life. But if you think about it, the Father sent the Son, and the Son's job was to not only to die for us, but to reconcile us with the Father. So there's this inner dynamic within the Trinity, a dynamic of love. God is love. And, and Christ's mission is to bring us into that dynamic, to have us enter into that dynamic of love, to share in that, to participate in that. That is the meaning of your life. That's the meaning of your life. That's why you exist. That's why God created you to participate in this life of love, in this perfect communion, this perfect harmony this perfect peace, this absolute joy, this wonderful rest. That's why God created you, to just be a part of that. He just wanted to love on you from all eternity. That's why he made you. He didn't have to make you, right? He didn't have to make me. He didn't have to make you. He wanted to. He wanted to. Again, we just have to kind of let that wash over us. And yeah, boy, that's true. And so we can hear it with our our ears and we can understand it with our minds. But again, this weekend, we just pray that more and more these truths will penetrate our hearts, will sink into our hearts. And so that's a grace we've got to ask for it. Lord, may all that we are hearing all this good news that we are hearing, may it be something that we experience personally this weekend in a new way. There's a wonderful prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. So it's in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, if you want to turn to it, but I'll read it. In my Bible, it's even labeled Paul's Prayer. (laughs) 
Paul says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. So it's chapter 1, verse 15. Ephesians 1, 15. And Ephesians comes after Galatians and Corinthians. But before Philippians and Colossians. And if you don't have tabs on your Bible. So Ephesians 1, 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So boom, right there, Paul is asking for this spirit of wisdom and revelation that God would be revealed that God would be revealed to you. Because this is the word of God, right? So it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, as it says in the book of Hebrews, right? So these, these words, as we read them tonight, the Holy Spirit is answering this prayer for us tonight and this weekend. So... May the Father of glory, may he give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. And whenever Paul mentions knowledge, he's not just talking about intellectual knowledge, but experiential knowledge. And again, maybe that's a new term for you, experiential knowledge, that I would have an experience. But this is what we're asking for. And maybe you've never asked for that before. Well, we're asking tonight, and we will keep asking this weekend. Because it's not enough just to hear the word. And again, Encounter Ministries does a great job of emphasizing this. Dr. Mary Healy, I love what she says, that whenever Jesus proclaimed the gospel, there was always a demonstration of power and divine life. So hopefully this weekend you are going to experience that power and that divine life as you listen to the word, as you go to adoration, confession, mass, as you, you know, listen to the, the readings that we'll have in the dining room or the, the, the conferences. You know, God, the Holy Spirit, is going to be moving. He will be active. And you will experience him. Having, he continues in verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And again, maybe you've never prayed to have the eyes of your heart enlightened, but it's basically your imagination. We all have an imagination, yes? And it can actually be used for good, <laughs> not just to imagine plans of revenge against you know, somebody you hate. Or <laughs> no, but our imagination can be used by the Holy Spirit, not just by the devil. <laughs> So let's pray for a sanctified imagination. Amen? Amen? Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know, again, know, experience, what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe? According to the working of his great might, which he accomplished in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in the heavenly places. 
Again, see those words? Greatness, power, great might that he accomplished in Christ. So he accomplished them in Christ, but he also wants to accomplish them in you. Got to believe that. Because as a Christian, as a baptized Christian, you are now anointed. That's what Christ literally means, right? Some of you have heard me preach that recently. Christ literally means the anointed one. And so as Christians, we are anointed ones in the anointed one. So we share in his power. We share in his nature. We're now sons and daughters of God. That is who we are. Right, we could listen to that song tonight. maybe. Right? I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. And I am a child of God by virtue of the Holy Spirit. And that is something God has done for you. Again, I, I, another, another paradigm shift this weekend that we want to pray for more and more. A lot of us, I'm just guessing most of us, grew up believing that we had to do X, Y, and Z in order to get into heaven. Right? That's how Christianity was taught to most of us, if not all of us. Right? you got to do X, Y, and Z in order to be saved or get to heaven or right, to be right with God. But that is... Technically speaking, not what Christianity is all about. The papal preacher, <laughs> Father Contalamesa, he says so. So I'm, I'm just quoting him. You know, so this is not heresy, right? Because other world religions, they do preach that to their followers. You, know, you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to get to paradise or nirvana or heaven. And the motivation is what? It's fear, right? Because if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you're not going to get there. You're going to go to hell or wherever they call it. But what does Christianity teach fundamentally? John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. How? Through him. Right? So it's, it's the work of God to save us. And again, we just need to let that wash over us. Holy Spirit, come and just convict me of this. That it's not about what I do that makes me right with the Father. But the Father sent the Son to die for me, to make me right with God. And then together, the Father and the Son sent the Spirit into my heart. So they actually wanted to put heaven into me. It's not anything I need to do to get to heaven. It's the Father and the Son who sent heaven down to me when I was baptized. When we were baptized, we all became temples of the Holy Spirit, temples of God. That sounds like heaven to me. When we go to Mass, what happens? Heaven comes down right there. Heaven and earth come together. But why do we still worry about getting to heaven? Heaven comes to us every single day. We are temples of, of God. We're temp we are walking tabernacles. That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. 
You are the salt of the earth. But that's a question of identity, right? It's a question of identity. Do we really know who we are? Do we really appreciate what we've become by virtue of our baptism, by virtue of the work of God? Do we really appreciate what we've become? I don't, I don't know that anybody, anybody here can say, yeah, I fully appreciate it. I mean, to some degree we all do, otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here, right? But again, there's more, right? God wants to give us more. He wants to give us a deeper understanding of who we are. And that's what I think this first meditation is, is really all about. As we begin this retreat, before we go, like, you know, searching for our sins and faults and wounds and memories and whatever, let's just remember who we are, you know, let's, and let's ask God to remind us and to give us a deeper understanding and appreciation of who we are, of who we have become because of what he did for us. Not because you honored your father and mother and went to church on Sunday, Right? Not to say those things aren't important, but that's not what makes you right with God. So... You want to pull out the booklet, the prayer dare. There's instructions first. Pray this prayer or just parts at a time and then sit, ideally, in a quiet place for 15 minutes and just breathe. <laughs> That's just a suggestion, right? You don't have to follow that to the letter. Don't worry. Notice what you're thinking and feeling. Ask for the grace to be aware of what the Lord is saying to you and inviting you to receive and or to let go of. Listen to what he wants for you. So in the first paragraph, I just try to make an act of faith in some fundamental truths. And it's good that we do this. You know, you may not really believe all these things deeply, profoundly, personally, but, you know, fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> like just... Keep making those acts of faith. Keep asking for the graces. And it'll come more and more. More and more. So let's just look at this. Heavenly Father, I know that my true identity is rooted and grounded in your unconditional love for me. I know that you really like me and that you have always wanted to be my father. Pause. You know, maybe you've never thought about that or appreciated that or prayed that. Or, and maybe you just want to stay right there tonight or all weekend. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, like, if, if you got nothing else out of this entire weekend, I think it would still be a successful retreat for you. But there's more. <laughs> I believe that you are here with me like a mighty champion. That's quoting from Jeremiah. And that you are always working for my good because you have a future full of hope in store for me. 
Again, that's some, some of Paul, some of Jeremiah. May I come to experience for myself that everything you say about me and about yourself is true and good and beautiful. Philosophers call those the transcendentals, truth, goodness, and beauty. Truth, goodness, and beauty. Those are things that we are all made for. Right? What is the object of our mind? The ob- like what is it that our minds are constantly on the lookout for? Truth. Right? Nobody likes to be deceived. Nobody likes to be lied to. Why? Because we're not, we are made for the truth. Our minds want to know the truth. And not just any truth, but the absolute truth. Right? I know some of you have teenage boys, right? Or teenage girls. It's like, tell me the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you, God. <laughs> and then we want to know and experience good things. Our wills are attracted to good things. Right? Even when we do sinful things, we're still doing them because on some level we believe it's good, <laughs> that we're going to get something good out of it, even though we probably know it's not really good for us. But there's something there that tempts us, that attracts us. We're attracted to the good. But ultimately, we want not just any good, but the greatest good, right? We want the ultimate good. And that's what our, that's what our hearts long for. The greatest good, that you know, St. Augustine's favorite line, you made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Why are our hearts restless until they rest in God? Because our hearts are made by God, for God, and God is infinite, he's eternal, and nothing else will satisfy us. Nothing else will fulfill us. And then we're also attracted to beauty. Beauty is is a harmony, a kind of harmony and balance. They say that heaven, one way to conceive of heaven, if you will, is a perfect balance between joy and rest. Doesn't that sound nice? A perfect balance between joy and rest. Because you can't be... Joyful all the time, right? Otherwise, you know, you wear out and you just, you know, you would, you would learn to appreciate it after a while, right? It would, it would get old, so to speak. But with rest, to absorb it. And that's kind of how this weekend works. You know, I stand up here and I talk at you for a little while. And then I send you out and you just kind of let it, as I said, wash over you. You try to absorb it by the grace of God and rest with it. Rest with it. And that's a beautiful thing, right? It's a beautiful thing. So we all appreciate that balance, that harmony. And God wants to give us that. Lord Jesus, I greatly desire, continuing the prayer there, to cultivate the gift of your divine friendship. I believe that you have chosen me and that you want to be close to me. Yeah, God has chosen you for himself. Again, I like to say that at, at baptism. You know, when you, were, when you were baptized, 
God claimed you for himself. The priest and your parents and godparents, they made the sign of the cross on your forehead. They were claiming you for God. You were being claimed by God for himself. So your souls were marked. They were sealed with that indelible mark. So you belong to him. He has chosen you for himself, and and he wants to be close to you. Get this. He wants to make you feel special. It's not in this version, but God wants to make you feel special. There are certain people that when we are around them, they make us feel special, right? Well, don't we like that? We all enjoy that, right? We appreciate that. When we are around other people who make us feel special. Well, God wants to make you feel special. Again, he doesn't want to scare you. He doesn't want to shame you. He doesn't want to, you know, fault find, nitpick with you. That's not who God is. He wants to make you feel special. Help me to gratefully recognize all that you have already done for me and to confidently trust in your faithful friendship because I also want to discover what it means to be a daughter in the Son. Because when we were baptized, as Paul says, we were baptized into Christ. So I can say that I'm a son in the Son. You are daughters in the Son. But now we're all children of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And just as the Father loves the Son for all eternity, now he loves us in his Son for the rest of time and for all eternity in Christ. And we don't have to earn that. We don't have to work for that. We don't have to strive for that. It's been given to us. It's a gift. All we have to do is believe and accept it. And that is the good news, right? I mean, it sounds too good to be true, as we would say. But it's true. Lord, I want to stop striving and start thriving by the power of the Holy Spirit. Please come into my heart and help me to courageously face my brokenness. Please heal my heart and renew my mind so you can live your resurrected life with me in a very personal and powerful way. So we'll stop there for tonight. But yeah, I mean, Jesus, we believe he's alive, right? That he's risen, that he is Lord. And he wants to live his life now with you and in you. And yeah, through you as well. Absolutely. But he wants to live it with you as a friend, as a brother, as a bridegroom. That kind of works for you ladies, right? It doesn't work so well for me. But Jesus wants to be the divine bridegroom for all of you. So again, just as a bridegroom, especially on, on wedding day, you know, wants to make his bride feel special. So Jesus, you know, more than any bridegroom, wants to make you feel special. That he is giving his life for you. He's looking into your eyes. He's looking into your heart. And he's saying, you know what? I died for you because I couldn't imagine living without you. Couldn't imagine living without you. 
And I want you to know that. I want you to know that.